the Now That We're a Family podcast. Folks, welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. Today, we have we all have the privilege of being able to hear from a good friend of mine who's also my brother-in-law, and that is Adam Van Wingerden. Adam married Katie's sister, Kyla, a few years back, and so since then, Adam and I have had numerous opportunities to converse, to encourage one another in our pursuit of God and of being, you know, husbands and business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, fathers, as we're both in this season of young fatherhood. And uh, as we've been, well, I got to fly, man, that guy was coming for me. Um, As we've been in the season kind of together, we both have, you know, been able to really think deeply about how much how big of a role our fathers played. And I know it can be, that can seem like an obvious statement, you know, because obviously fathers play a huge role in any, anybody in any of their children's lives, whether that's positive or negative, it's a, it's a huge role. I mean, I've heard it said that like your father's the most influential person in your life. Absolutely. Whether he's there or not, uh, or whether it's positive or negative. Um, but before we get going, you guys know a little bit about me, Adam, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? A quick two minute origin story, Kind of give us as much context as you can in a couple minutes and where you're living, what you're doing, who you're married to, as I already said, where right. you were raised, those types of things. Well, the cool thing is, for those who have followed your podcast religiously, I was on here a couple of, I guess a couple of years ago, probably. That's right. I should have, I should have right. mentioned that. This isn't Adam's first time on the podcast. No, but the ante is significantly upped because last time you guys were just noobs and didn't have this really rad studio and... Yeah, three cameras in front of me. Yeah, we didn't have a video set up, no, huh? No. Yeah, it is a little bit more, it can be a little bit more intimidating. It's a little more intense. When there's cameras. Definitely a little more intense. Yes. Uh, and so, but so far you're handling it pretty well. That's good. Yeah, so I'll have to reference what number, what podcast episode you are on before, so I can link that in the show notes if people want to hear those those episodes as well. Yeah, and I want to go re-listen to them. I'm like, oh man, before you do that. But yeah. Uh, no, for those who don't know me, obviously, as Elisha mentioned, I am married to Kyla who is just underneath Katie. Yep. Uh, they're the two oldest. Um, you know, I'm from a, I'm the oldest of six. Um, and we have uh, Olivia as the youngest. And so it's four, I think 14, she just turned 14. So we're 14, I'm 29. Mm-hmm. So it's six kids uh, from there. Uh, we were homeschooled, grew up um, uh, overseas for a little bit in the States. Uh, I have my dad's the youngest of 16. My mom is the middle of seven, I think, or eight, seven or eight. Uh, so yeah, we have really similar backgrounds, which is really cool. And, uh, as Elisha mentioned, it's been so awesome to get to know him over the last couple of years. Uh, I guess we knew each other a little bit before yep. I got involved. That's right. I think it was, um, we were friends a little before then, but we were just talking about today. We've been visiting them the last couple of days, uh, and we've seen them on and off the last couple of weeks because we've been out West, but just, you know, you do marry into families and it's definitely one of those things that you're never not going to marry the girl because of the family. Sure. But it's a pretty nice side bonus, side blessing to also get, you know, one of my best friends out of this. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. 100%. It's been a a huge score Um, on on so many levels. I feel like we're able to talk business. We're able to talk marriage, you know, finances, theology, parenting. We're able to talk sports. You know, we can can talk about a lot of things. A lot of commonalities. That's right. That's right. And today we wanted to kind of take an opportunity to share with each other and, and obviously with, with the listeners as well with you listeners, um, 
some top, some key things that we've taken away from our fathers, some things that we've learned from our fathers in regards to life and uh, marriage and leading a family. Uh, and, you know, Adam and I both wrote down some some points. And I can't tell you how, I mean, this goes without, this probably goes without saying, but it's like the older I get as I start to have children, my dad and what he's done in my life has become so much more and more of a impacting reality. You know, I, I look back to it. I reference my father on a regular basis. I was talking to him on the phone, you know, just a couple hours ago. And I know that not many men, um, not many men, Christian or otherwise, have had that opportunity. Right. I feel extremely blessed to have not just a best friend who was my father, but my number one mentor and a phenomenal role model. And so, and I, and I know you feel very similar about your father. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I think you go through basically like three phases as a child, uh, looking up to your father. It's like, you know, when you're a little kid, he's your superhero. He can mm -hmm. do nothing wrong. Yeah. And then there's a phase where it's like, your dad's an idiot. He doesn't know anything. Sure. It seems that way. And then, you know, you get to our age and you start having kids and you're suddenly like, wow, my dad pretty much was spot on on everything. Yeah. He really was the superhero. He really was. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's one of those things that's, uh, you know, as you, you go in in life and you start kind of experiencing some of those same things that your dad did, you start realizing, wow, he, you know, I think back about my father, I've had the same feelings of just like, wow, you know, feel majorly blessed to have had a mentor and someone that I could look up to that now when I'm in the position that he was in all those years ago, I can be like, oh, you know, well, I'm going to do the same things that my dad yes. did with me. Yeah, that's right. And as much as I wish I could say my dad had the blueprint, you know, he, he had the, the code. He didn't. Formula, the perfect he, formula. Yeah, he didn't have any of those things, nor did he ever claim to have them. And so the last thing I want to try to do when referencing my father and things I've learned is say this, you know, when, when my dad did X and Y, then we got... Z. And so I'm going to do X and Y to get Z as well. That's not how it works with relationships. That's not how it works with parenting or in marriage. But that said, there are common themes and there's attributes. And I think that there are character qualities that are going to be advantageous, regardless of what your personality is, regardless of what station you are in life, you know, what you do for work and, and all those things. Yeah. And I would add, uh, the important thing too, is realizing that, you know, even if you didn't have a father figure, right? Mm. Um, as a believer, we all have the perfect father figure in Christ. Mm. That's right. And so just because, you know, I feel majorly blessed. I know you too, to have had that example from a practical standpoint in our, in my life, in your life. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we all have the perfect example in Christ That's right. in scripture. And so, um, you know, I think as we talk, I think it's an important thing to mention that, Hey, just because yes. you don't have that history doesn't mean that you can't have that legacy or that history with your kids. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah. No, I don't think you, you can reiterate that. I don't think you can iterate that too much. You know, you can't right. reiterate it right. too many times. Uh, because if, if our fathers had done everything that they did for us and communicated everything they, they communicate to us, yet failed to tell us that the only perfect father was our Heavenly Father, and that the only perfect Savior was Jesus Christ, then they, they would have ultimately, I think, failed. In, right. in their job, at least that's how I would consider if I, if I was in there, when I think of my own children, if I taught them how to be a loving husband, if I taught them how to be an involved parent, if I taught them how to be good in business and have integrity out in the workplace and, 
and and to be effective in ministering to people, yet failed to acknowledge that only, there's only one perfect Savior and one perfect Father, and that is their Heavenly Father and, and Savior is Jesus Christ, then I, then I would consider that uh, failing at my job, my well, number one job. And, and our fathers didn't do that. Yeah, and I would say exactly right. That's you know probably some of the, what we're going to talk about, actually, is the fact that they did do that, and they did do those things. Mm-hmm. So um, Yeah, so I'm excited. I don't know too much about what Adam's going to share, and he doesn't know too much about what I'm going to share. And so we're going we're gonna to dive in. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, I have the, I feel bad, and this is on a video. He's got the really hip notebook. Yeah, I do. And I have the typical millennial cell phone. I don't know if they can see that there, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It gives an interesting vibe here. So I guess, I guess I'm, I'm the tech guy. So maybe, you know, what's funny is that I sometimes like do a little bit of like uh virtual signal. Is that what's called? Virtual signal signal with my light phone towards Adam. And, uh, and it feels good. It definitely, because I'm, I freed myself from the bondage of a smartphone about a year ago, about nine months ago. And, uh, and what's funny is as much as I like do this virtue signaling because I'm, I've got a light phone, I, like anytime we're together, I'm like, hey, can you look up directions yeah. for me? I was like, going to say that. It's really hey, funny until you yeah, actually need yeah. one. So I'm always grateful when he's with me and he's got his light phone. Uh, anyways, I'm not hating on your light phone now in the notes that you're you have on there. You yes. have the light phone. Yes, I've got the Mine's light phone. a heavy one. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. right. Exactly. That's right. Anyway, back on topic. Back on topic. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, totally. Uh, so... I think the title of this is Ways Our Fathers Prepared Us for Life, Marriage, and Leading a Family. Hmm. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking out of it as it from a very cohesive standpoint. Like what are the things when I think about, you know, now looking back retrospectively, what are those things that really stood out to me hmm. uh, that I that impacted me as a as a young boy and even going into adulthood and being a man? And the one thing I think, you know, and it's, it seems obvious, but I think it's worth mentioning is, and a lot of people say more is caught than taught. Right. Sure. Which I think is very, sure. very true. And yeah. so I would say the number one uh, way he really, I feel like, prepared me was by example. Yes. Leading yes. by example. Yeah. Um, especially through like teenage years, I think, you know, <clears throat> what is it they say? Like for fathers, there's five or six different roles they play as a child grows up. There's the caretaker, hmm. right? The cop, the coach, the consultant, and the cheerleader. Interesting. Maybe like that or something, something like that. Like, so, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, so as we moved from the caretaker to, you know, the cop and then to the coach specifically, like when I think about my teenage years, um, you want someone to look up to. Hmm. You know, someone you look at their life and be like, that's kind of how I want to model my life because yeah. you see the fruit from it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, he did that and, and I, as well as Brent brought me along for the ride. Hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think about like, um, you know, like a work ethic, mm-hmm. you know, part of like caring for a family is being a provider. You know, he showed me good work ethic and it wasn't like one of those things that he just, you know, would go work for, you know, 70 hours a week and I didn't see him. He inconvenienced himself and would bring me along. Right. Right. So it's yeah. like if he was doing something at his business or he was doing something around the house, it was like, hey, let's use this as an opportunity to make me feel like um, I was a part of it. Yes. Uh, and then just so many different ways, I think, showing um, humility and in, in the way he would apologize, you know, to my mom in front of mm-hmm. us kids if they got into a fight and he felt like he wasn't in a good spot or didn't communicate properly or you know, there's been times, you know, he was uh, an entrepreneur and owned his own business and there was business dealings that were constantly going on. And if he felt like there was something that he was dishonest about, he would, you know, I was around when he'd call up someone and be like, hey, I feel like I misled you in this. And this is why. And, you know, as a young boy and you're, you're seeing that, it's pretty impactful. Yeah. To be like, hey, you know, thinking from there, I know that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. He's willing to kind of do an embarrassing thing, maybe even take a financial hit. 
you know, eat his, eat his pride for a second. Right. All those things speak volumes to a young child or to a teenager who is, I mean, especially as a teenager when like all you have is ego and pride, you know? Um, and it's so funny. Like you said, that term more is caught than taught can become redundant or you kind of take it for granted or maybe people consider it a cliche, but I don't think, you know, you know, as the saying goes, profundity oft rests on the shoulders of the obvious, but that is a profound thing. Gotta put that in layman's term, man. That's a, well, who quoted that? That's a good one. I don't know. It was like, it was like an old philosopher, like Socrates or something like that. I think, um, I don't know what it means, but I say it every once in a while, (laughs) but I'm going to try to apply it to this, to this podcast episode, uh, because it, that is a profound reality that more is caught than taught. And that as, as a father, I think I all even now, and I've shared this with you, you know, I've got a four-year-old son and I think, how am I going to communicate the gospel effectively to Leon? How is he going to know the difference of him taking this faith and making it his own and believing right. it and walking in it? And I, and I get really caught up on kind of the nuts and bolts in the, the vernacular and the theology and being able to articulate it in an effective way where he's able to comprehend it. And, and I think that it, those are good things to pursue, for sure, clarity in your communication of the gospel. But when I think about my own journey, I, I wanted to be a Christian even before I knew what it meant to be a Christian <laughs> in okay. a lot of ways, because I looked up to my dad, I respected him, I saw the fruit in his life that was appealing to me. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, it's easy to think like, oh, what we have, nobody wants until you're a Christian, like you have to be saved to want the fruit. And and certain aspects I think that's true but no the fruit of, fruits of the spirit are just a positive thing for any human being right you know love joy peace patience kindness gentleness and Those are so attractive qualities they're regardless. just attractive qualities and so the fact that my my father walked in those things it sounds like your father walked in those things you know regardless of as a child what your understanding was of salvation or of right of the substitutionary death or the penal death or the whatever those things all you knew is that your father believed this he walked according to what he said he believed and you liked the fruit that you saw in your father's life and you respected him you respected the way he treated you his mother other people and especially when you compare you know it doesn't take much but when you compare let's say the fruit of a life lived like that compared to when you see you looked around look at other men and yep. see what their life, what the fruit yes. that it yielded, right? Yes. So That's right. there's a lot of practical, just you know, you know, observation. Yes. And you can be like, hey, wow, that life, that fruit looks a whole lot different than the fruit I'm seeing over here from my buddy Joe's dad. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. I love that point. And I and like I can, I'm probably going to be able to say ditto with all these things, where it's just kind of like, oh, that was so true to right. to my father, and and a trait that I kind of broke mine down a little differently. So. We were talking about life, marriage, and leading a family. And life, I think, something that my dad exemplified and walked in, obviously imperfectly, but was a common theme in his life, was humility. You mentioned humility. And it is bizarre. You know, the Bible tells us that God opposes the the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I think it's easy to appear humble, and it's easy to sometimes assume people are proud if they've got a certain level of confidence, maybe. But God knows the heart. And what I... I say, you know, I say my dad was humble, but what I actually appreciate the most is that he was humble first and foremost before God, and that he was humble to God. And as a result, he he showed humility to people as well. He showed humility to my mother, to us children, to people out in the workplace, to people in our community and at church. But he was humble towards God and believing God, 
despite what, you know, culture said, despite what society was pressuring him to do. He lived before God and said, I have to make decisions. And what was so cool about my father being humble towards God is that he knew his own, my dad was aware that he had limitations. I don't know if he was aware of all of them, but he said, you know, I'm limited. I, I'm not well-versed in theology or in biblical linguistics, but I know that God wants me to read the Bible to my family. So I'm in, imperfectly, and he tells us, he would tell us as his kid, just kind of like, no, we're gonna have a family Bible time. I'm going to teach you through Proverbs. Uh, you know, I'm not good at doing this. I don't really know how to do this, but we're just going to do it. And he, the word was taught and preached and spoken every day in our house from a place of humility. But what he gave reverence to was the word of God, not to his own ability to decipher it and to de- uh, exposit God's word. But he said, no, this is the authority in our life. I'm going to read it. I'm going to lead our family in reading this. I may not understand some things. You, you might, you're probably going to have questions that I can't answer, but this is the authority in our life. And that was something that I think showed me. People talk about humility being a trait in leadership. And as I think of that in regards to my father, I think, boy, that is so true when it comes to, to being a father of somebody and being willing to make the hard decision with the knowledge that you have, thinking it's the best thing for the child, but knowing you can't, you could be wrong. And I think my dad did that many times. He would make a hard choice, you know, whether it was culturally kind of weird or, you know, it, 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 our friends didn't want us to make this decision or I was going to be mad at him if he made this decision. And he would say, you know, I'm your father. I might be wrong in this, but I know with the information that I have before God, I have to do this for you as a father because I, I love you. Yeah. And, and I think that's just so, you know, that's so easy to get behind. Yeah, as, that's a, so, as a child, as a child that's sure. so easy to respect, that's so easy to get behind, yeah. that's so easy to be to look at and be like, okay, well, he's not sitting here acting like he has it all figured out. Actually, he's being the opposite. He's saying, hey, I might be wrong in this situation. Sure. You know, and the cool thing is, you know, the fact that the kids are willing to follow the dad yeah. means the dad has their heart. 100%. Yes. The, that's the, right. The dad actually, the, 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 he's invested into the children Yes. so that when he comes to the point where he's like, hey, guys, you know, this is how I'm going to, this is how the decision we're going to make. It may be incorrect. That's it may right. be wrong, but you know, if the, if the father really does have the kids hearts and he, they want to follow him, the kids can get behind it. Cause it's like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, that's dad's right. not claiming to have all the answers. That's right. And I think just, it's just naturally we're attracted to people who aren't prideful. Yes, absolutely. It's so true. That's just an attribute that when you sense pride and, um, in any in anyone, and I think yeah, uh, bravado can sometimes I think seem like it's you know it, it's it's whatever you perceive right. as being pride. There's some off. proverbs about that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, it it's so easy to be turned off, but I think what my father is he was humble before God. You know yeah. he he didn't, and as a result was humble before man and to his fellow brethren, um, and to us children and my mother. But I, I just so am grateful that he truly humbled himself before God. Yeah, and I think. It's interesting you bring this up, and, and like Elisha had mentioned, we really haven't had, got a chance to talk quite a bit about it, but it's interesting how that kind of segues into what I would wanted to talk about, which was, you know, I could tell my dad feared God over the fear of man. Wow. You know, yes. and I think that kind of leads right into that. You know, being humble before God is fearing him. Yes. Right? And I think that often looked like being willing to do things differently, hmm. even when it was really inconvenient. Because a lot of the times doing things differently or taking the road less traveled, however yeah. you want to communicate that, yeah. it, it often is very inconvenient. Yeah. Um, and it's often countercultural. Sure. 
right? It's, yes. It looks really countercultural. Right. And I think someone said, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Sure. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so I, I, when I think about my dad, you know, he would often follow, I feel like God's leading and not worried about what men thought about him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can think of so many different examples. One that was, I was thinking about as I was, you know, it was actually really fun when you talk about the podcast that you shared with me, the podcast episode, I was like, man, to go sit and think for like 30 or 45 minutes, an hour about like my father. Yeah. And like different stories, different things that came up or, um, you know, you're like, Hey, come up with a few points and think about it. It was just really awesome to sit there and think. I felt really blessed. Cause I really, you know, I love my dad and thinking about the example that he led, but you know, thinking through some of these points and thinking about like, wow, my dad often did things that were really inconvenient for him. Yes. Uh, and I think about like mm. one example I thought of was, and there was a time my mom was having, you know, I was homeschooled. Uh, we were living overseas in New Zealand for a little bit and she was having uh, some, she suffers from bad migraines. And so my dad thought, Hey, I'm going to put the kids in the private Christian school for a year. Uh, and so he did that. And, uh, I came home one day and we were at school for a couple months at the time. And I remember going into his office and I asked him something that I learned at school, you know, not from the teachers, yeah. it's from my peers. Yeah. So, and it wasn't, my dad wasn't really thrilled with those inputs. Yes. And so, you know, he, he spoke to me really kindly and kind of walked me through it. And then was like, you know what, son, I don't think that, I think that's gonna be the last day you go back to school. Hmm. And he called up the school right there and said, Hey, I'm taking my, my, I was with my brother. He's like, I'm taking my son, both my sons out of school. Hmm. And at the time, of course, I'm like, oh, I wish I never went to my dad and brought that yeah. up, right? You know, <laughs> but, you know, and at that time, and he took on a lot of some of the schooling that time. He's, you know, like, hey, he actually poured into us. And it was really inconvenient for him. Right. And I'm just thinking about that. I'm like, wow, that was a time where he didn't really care about what the teachers thought, didn't really care about what men thought. And, and I don't want people to mishear what I'm saying. You know, I'm not saying that. You yeah, it was know, just like stick it to the man. Yeah. Or you, yeah. or you have to be homeschooled or, you know, whatever it may be. It's oh, like, sure. I'm just saying it as an example uh, from the standpoint of like. He made the best decision as he saw. That he felt led by, by the Lord. Yes. And he wasn't, again, he wasn't fearing man over fearing God. That's like, right. Hey, this is a conviction. This is where the Lord's leading me. Yeah. And I'm going to make this decision. That's and right. I think that goes kind of hand in hand, right? Being humble before God. Yes. Fearing God over fearing man. Yeah. And so when I think about that, I was like, you know, my dad was willing to do the inconvenient things. And follow his convictions. Yes. And I think I, and I'm sure, I don't know if you feel this way, but, you know, as a father, so there are so many times that I'm, you're, you're trying to raise your, your kids or your, you know, in your marriage or, or leading your home. And often the things that you feel convicted to do or that want to do are inconvenient. Yes. And men, if men were just going to look at it and judge it, be like, why are you doing it that way? Right. A hundred percent. And like you said, why, why would we ever go into life assuming that we're going to do everything the same way everybody else has done it if we want different results? Exactly. You know, if you want your children to walk in truth, if you want you to have a healthy relationship when, with your children when they're adults, then you probably shouldn't copy whatever culture, what, whatever looks culturally normal, you know, and like society deems as being a good thing. It's so funny. Stuff like that inspires me because I love stories like that because and I think I can relate to my father doing many things less probably with me but I've seen it maybe he did do it with me and I was less aware of it but I've certainly seen it with my siblings you know where I one of my younger brothers was on a basketball team and we all played basketball through high school some of us played college and it was just kind of a part of our life and it was like almost halfway through the season and my brother who was young at the time was like 15 was just around just some terrible influences he hated it. My parents hated it. And 
it was the classic like, well, you don't quit your team or, you know, you better not give up on this. Finish out the season. You committed. You finish out the season. You know, you committed to the coach. You committed to the other parents. You committed, you know, the, you know, like if you quit your team, you're quitting the rest of your life or something like that. The quotes or whatever, you know, it's like one of those things you're not supposed to do that. My dad's like, forget I'm not supposed to do that. Like I'm going to do what's best for my son as I see fit. Based on the convictions. Based on the convictions that the Lord's placed on my heart. Like yeah. I'm thinking of his soul, I'm thinking of his heart right now, and what he's going through, what he's being exposed to, he needs to get out of. I'm pulling him out mid-season, and the, the other parents may be upset, the coach may be upset, and it's not that he doesn't care about the other parents or the other coaches, he certainly cares about them, and he loves them. But for his child, he's going to do what he, what he feels like the Lord is leading him to do, because that's his. it's his responsibility. Right. At the end of the day, he's going to answer for those decisions, not, not the other kid's parents, not the coach. He's the one whose prerogative it is to make that decision for his for his son. Yeah, and you know, I was just thinking about as you're talking about this, it's like scripture affirms this. Hmm. It talks about it. It's like, you know, we were talking last night a little bit, not even related to this podcast, but now I'm thinking about it. But like God's economy and man's economy is just different. They are right? up is down, east is west. Yes. And you know, there's so many scripture references that come to mind, but even in Corinthians is right, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Yes. You know. The gods use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's yes. like, you know, it's not going to make sense yes. to a lot of people. That's right. And That's I know right. this is not perfect apples to apples comparison because a lot of time we're talking about the gospel, but I do think there there's validity to that. Sure. To be like, hey, there's often times that the world's going to look at something and a decision that you're going to make and be like, that just doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Because God's ways are not man's ways. And there's that, that lo- I forget where it's at, where it's, you made the mistake of thinking I was like you. David talks about it in the Psalms, right? Yes, exactly. God, that's what God's saying. Right. You know, to whoever is. And that's still, every time I hear that, that just gives me chills too. It's like, yeah. To like, yeah, you made the mistake of thinking I was just like you. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not. And it just goes back to, I think, con- consistently thinking about, you know, why do we look at the world and go, hey, we want something different. Hmm. And, you know, the world's doing things a certain way. And it's like, well, I'm going to do the same thing with my kids. And then I'm, but I'm, I want this result. Right. Yeah. There's still is practical cause and effect. Absolutely. For this life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's so good. Something that I wrote down regarding marriage that it's, it's meant more and more to me as I've been married, you know, go figure. And, and I grow in my marriage. My father was so loyal to my mother, not just like in a fidelity way where it's like he was faithful to her, you know, and he only loved her. Those, all those things were true, you know, but he was loyal to her in the way he spoke about her when she wasn't around uh, to my siblings and I to other, you know, you hear, you hear guys, the Christian the guys room, right? all the time. It's kind of like, oh, well, you know, the wife won't let me get out of the house Old anymore. Yeah. It's like, oh man, well, I got all those honey to do honey do list or whatever. You know, the wife's the <laughs> yes. wife mates, whatever, you know, right. like the wife, this, the wife, that got the old woman at home. And, and my father never stooped to that. And he would not partake in that regarding my mother. And I, I could, there's like my, if there was, even if my mom was doing stuff that like she was having a hard, I mean, she had 10 kids. She would, she had hard days, you know, and my dad would come home from work and be like, well, you know, mom made me do this, blah, 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 blah. And my dad just always had her back. And he's just That's like, so do you awesome. understand what she's done for you? That's so The awesome. sacrifice, what she, how she serves for you, you know, and, and he did that from a place of true love and admiration for my mom. But I think he also did it because he knew that just positionally he was made one with my mom. You know, like they, they, two, when two become one, he's like, no, this is bone. Like we're one right here. And I've, it's not just me taking her back. It's like, we're the same person here. This is the woman that I married. We are one here. And, 
And so I, I respect that so much. And, you know, some of the, my dad is a very even keeled man. But the one time I remember he got the most angry at me was when I talked back to, to you to know, mom. to my mom. I spoke, yeah. you know, I was really disrespectful toward, towards her. And he took offense big time. Yeah, like he, you know, and he, and he got, and he, and he laid into me, you know, verbally. And, you know, it sobered me up. And I was like, man, daddy really loves mom. Yeah. And he has her back. And, and it's like showing in the fact that, like, wow, he loves mom and he respects her. And it's like, I, I remember, I, it's funny you're saying that. I think of the exact same thing. It's like we had a joke. It was like, you, know, you can kind of talk back to dad a little bit, but don't ever talk back to mom in front of dad. Yes, exactly. Because that was like the perfect yes. storm. If you yep. wanted to really get into trouble, you know, if, if, if it was like one of the kids, you know, didn't know dad was around the corner on the other wall. Yeah. And someone talked back to mom, all the kids would just be like, whoop. Yeah, here it goes. Here it yeah. goes. It's yeah. gonna happen. <laughs> so I, I think of that. That's such an awesome point because I, I feel like that again is just even in I feel like in Christian circles, it's one of those things where it's just so easy to like, you know, in the locker room. Yeah. Everyone's giving their their wife a hard time for this and that. And yeah. it's just so easy to jump. It can be so easy to jump on that bandwagon. Sure. Right. And uh when you don't participate in that, instead of like, no, I actually love my wife and I respect her and you know, like I said, that loyalty yeah. to her. Um, I think it's so, it's so rare. Yes, it is. And I've thought of it often and it's something that I feel like I, I really regret a lot about how I entered into marriage in the first year of my life. I don't think I made Katie feel, um, that total devotion and loyalty when it came to friends and outside, you know, guys at the church or friends from when I was single, you know, guy, guys that I'd hang out with, there was an element of like, wait, who's, who, where's your loyalty at here? And I, I really regret some of the, how I handled that first year of my marriage of, of just kind of trying to keep everybody happy, be like, well, yeah, I want to be one of the guys. I still want to have the same, you know, uh, type of involvement with the guys at the church, but I also want to be married rather than having there be a dramatic shift. Not that you're getting rid of your friends necessarily, or you're totally cutting off your involvement that it was at the church. You know, at the time I was doing music at a church and it's like, no, cool. it just needs to be obvious that where my priorities lie now, like, and, and I, and my friends should never question it based off of my, the way I speak. And my wife should never feel there any, any question in that, regardless of how I'm interacting with other people and where I'm spending my time and how I'm speaking. Do you, do you feel like, you know, when you think about when you came across that realization in your marriage, it sounds like you're saying, do you feel like a large, you know, you could attribute a large part of that realization thinking back on your father and your mother's relationship? Big time. And I think my dad even called me out a couple times on it. Wow. You know, where I would, we didn't live close to home and I, I was trying to please my siblings because I, I mean, I love my siblings. They're awesome. Of Some of my best friends. I love my father. And there's a bunch of family activities happening and I wanted to do all of it and keep everybody happy because I was, I had moved away at that time and I wanted everybody to be good. And my dad's like, well, is this what Katie wants? Is this what Kate? I was like, well, I don't know. He's like, and he kind of, you know, one of those scenes where it's just kind of like, like, why would you think of us and what over we want wife. over your wife? Wow. And, um, and, and so that was a big, just kind of like, oh gosh, you're like, you're, this is my wife. You're right. And that was another big area that I, I don't think I made Katie feel prioritized and, and honored and, and really loyal towards is, um, is with my family. You know, well, there's another so, factor. And it's just so cool to hear you say that, like thinking about being a father, Mm-hmm. Parenting, how old are you? 30? 30, yeah. Right? 
It's like parenting doesn't really ever stop. That's right. Yes. So just, I think that's awesome to think about of like how your father is still actively speaking into your life right now. You know, yes. I, I think that all the time of like my dad, it's like, you know, disciplining kids or, or, you know, child rearing or, or marriage or yeah. uh, work, whatever it yes. may be. It's like the fact that I feel like I can go to my dad and that he still is willing to, Hey, give advice mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, to be able to parent, yes. you know, and that's it's right. a different role, obviously. Yes. But that's such an awesome to have that, it that is. the father to go to it is, is it really just a big, huge yes, blessing. It is a huge blessing. Yeah. I, I, I want so badly to be able to play that role in, in my son's lives. Yeah. Oh, I think Big that's time. definitely the dream. So, yes. well, the last thing I wanted to bring up, which I think, honestly, I think you'll, you'll be on board. I know we've talked about this quite a bit. Okay. Uh, so get ready for it. But I think it's, it's interesting. I think the entire framework around this conversation, uh, needs, this needs to happen. And I think that my dad did do this very much. So, and from what I could tell, um, your dad did as well. Mm -hmm. By the way, I have met Elijah's dad. He's a pretty, pretty awesome guy. I always enjoy my conversations with him and always leave encouraged. Uh, but my dad was very redemptive and all that he taught. Hmm. And so what I mean by that was, you know, it wasn't just, you know, I think we both uh, had mentioned this, but I think it's worth bringing up of like, hey, he would always bring up, hey, but by the grace of God, there go I. Hmm. You know, that concept right. of like, hey, it's not just, it's not just like a formula based guys. It's not cause and effect. It's like, you know, it's almost like a deflector. Like, hey, you say something good about your dad, just deflects upwards. Like, well, it's all because of the Lord. Yes. Right. And it yes. kind of goes back to what you're saying, which is, uh, you know, it's rooted in humility. It's like that true humility, being humble before God. Yeah. But being redemptive in what he taught us. Yes. Right. And always bring, you know, always circling it back to, well, it's like, hey, the gospel, really. Mm -hmm. um, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that actually means in our life mm -hmm. here on earth. And I think it's really easy sometimes. I think as parents, I think I felt this way uh, when I think about, you know, the title of this podcast, even like, how do I, you know, how do I lead in, you know, my life, my marriage and a family, you know, what did my dad teach me? It's like, you want the formula mm -hmm. really badly. Mm -hmm. Yes. You want someone to be like, here are the 10 R's to having a successful yes. life. Like right. you just you're like, man, someone give me that. Yeah. Cause that would just be awesome. And, and I don't want people to get misunderstand me. Like there is a lot of cause and effect out there and there sure. are practical things you can do. And those are really important. Yeah. But if it's not, you know, if you're constantly putting that do before the done. Yes that's when you have an issue, right? The indicative and imperative. And so like, it has to be rooted in the fact that, you know, it's always a hard issue, but it has to be rooted in the gospel of like, Hey, this is, this is what's been done for us. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. And I think that's something that my dad did so well. So when I think back on it and he still reminds me of, but when I think about being in the position that I'm in, the position that you're in right now, it's really easy to want the formula. Yes. And it's just, it doesn't exist. And I think the other thing is it's a lot more freeing that way. Because at the end of the day, it's like, well, all we can do is submit under God's authority, mm -hmm. lead imperfectly, yep. like you had already mentioned, right? And the rest is in the Lord's hands. That's right. And yes, there's practical things we can do, Yeah, but the, but it is in the Lord's hands. And That's he's right. He's a sovereign God, and he's in control. It is bizarre to me. You mentioned, you said that thing, but by the grace of God, there go I. Right. And, I, I, you know, it may be 1,000 times my father would say that exact line or uh, some rendition of it. Right. If yep. it wasn't for the grace of God, that would be me. Or, you know, we had uh, where we grew up, there's this stretch of town that we would drive through consistently that, um, you know, had, had a lot of dr drug use and homeless and, and people that just had been through the ringer, you know, and time and time again, we would drive through and there'd be a guy on the curb or a guy on a park bench that just looked 
you know, like he, it just wasn't doing well, you know, with life. It looked like he was addicted to drugs, homeless. And, and my dad, who I just thought was just the most faithful husband and successful business man, a hardworking guy, a God-fearing man, honoring, you, you know, and every way that right I thought choices, that. Right. I was thinking, yeah, of course he's here because he's done all the right things. And you say, you know, the biggest difference between me and that guy on the bench or no, the only difference, this is what he was the saying. Only he said, the only difference between me and the guy on the bench is is the grace of God and he meant in my it too, life. Which is just like exactly. So that's what's so powerful about it. When you yes. heard him say, it, you're probably like, he's not just saying. He's that. not. He believed it and he knew it. And as True a kid, humility. yeah, as a kid, it never made honestly made that much sense to me. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, on. no, like that guy did a bunch of drugs and you know is an alcoholic and you're you know faithful to mommy and you know like yeah, it's all this. That's the biggest difference. You know, is that you've done all these steps and and he hasn't done them. But the point that he was making is that in the heart of man, there is no good thing apart from the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And he not only taught that and believed it, he emphasized it. And like you said, getting the do before the done, he, he didn't fail to do that. It, I mean, I th- I'm sure everybody, he did at times, I'm sure. You of know, course, as a parent, you say, then you say, do it. Well, just do it because God said to do it, you know? And, yep. and there, there's times where I think you, you do that at, in parenting, but regardless of whether I understood it or not, he was faithful in acknowledging his inability to live uprightly before the Lord. Apart from Christ. Apart from Christ. And, his, and how there's, no, you know, being obedient to God or trying to be obedient to God without faith, faith in Christ and what he's done is like, you know, was it like whitewashing tombs? You right. know, it's yep. like whitewashed tombs. It's saying you're just a dead man trying to act in a way that you think would please God. God has to save you. He has to do the regenerative work, and that comes through believing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the finished work that he's, that he's accomplished and done. And that's what's, and I think it's crazy. It's like, ultimately, it's like, well, what is the formula? What's the right. cheat code? And it's like, well, honestly, be in the Word, walk humbly before your God, mm-hmm. you know, actually pursue a relationship with the Lord, mm. you know, be in His Word, yes. bro, believe in the yep. power of the resurrection. All these things, it's like if you're doing that as a father, you know, I think all those other things will come. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, tr- like you said, there's almost how, how do, we, do we view ourselves accurately if it makes us uncomfortable to think that we might not be able to do the right, all the right things to save our children, but instead God has to be the one that saves it. Like that should be the greatest celebration ever. That a perfect, that a perfect, holy, righteous, sovereign God knows our children's heart. And he versus us being in charge of figuring out the right steps to ensure that they that they are saved or that they have a right walk with him. Just think um, I, I think it's so interesting how we can get I can it's so easy to get trapped into that mode of like, oh I wish I had more control. It's like, but then you start really zooming like, back out again. It's like, you know what? I, I don't knowing like, me, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. Like knowing my ability to do good. Right. I don't want that. You know, I want the one perfect one to be in control, to have that in That's his so hands. Freeing. It is. It yeah. really does. It feels like it takes a burden away. Yes. It's like, hey, now here, here's your calling as a, as a husband, That's as right. a father, right? You're still to walk in that. That's right. But the rest is, it really is up to the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. it's the, the constant thing of we're called to throw the seed. Yep. That's right. Whether it falls on 
good ground or hard ground, which I think sometimes is a hard truth to, to, to think about. But it's yeah. like, hey, whether it fall, what kind of ground it falls on, it's not up to you. It's like your call to throw the seed and throw it well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that goes to, to fathers. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to end with that because there are so many practical insights you can get from the Proverbs around parenting. Which are, by the way, like I think just hopefully everyone understands our heart behind it. There's, there's a lot of things that can be done. Absolutely. Practically speaking. I, my dad didn't just ignore, never come home ever, was gone away from home all the time, said, well, uh, they're God's, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do. No, Presumptuous he, or, yeah. Exactly. He believed that he was saved and he believed God had called him to fatherhood, which he has called each one of us Christian men that have children to fathering our children, to shepherding them, to bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to preaching the gospel to them on a regular basis. And that's a fruit. That's a fruit of believing. Of believing, being rooted. Yes. So it's like, hey, that's if you want the the easy answer of like, hey, if you're actually rooted in the gospel, you're actually rooted in God's word, guess what a f- good fruit is going to be if you're actually walking in that belief. That's right. That's right. And and he, and he I also think that my dad didn't overcomplicate things e- easy. I'm sorry. I don't think he complicated <laughs> things either. He... Like, how do you build a good relationship with anyone? You spend time with them. You talk to them. You get to know them. You ask them questions. All very practical. That's right. Like, you, there's no shortcuts to those things. No. And my dad, it, my daddy wanted long-lasting relationships with each one of us. And he inconveniently took the time to get to know each one of me and my nine siblings. And each one of us as adults today, you know, my youngest brother is 19 years old. So it's 1936. We're all adults, all 10 of us. And we love my dad. Like, like we we. I can't believe my dad has as much time as he has to talk to me because of how much all my siblings talk to him and go to him and hang out with him and want to be with him. That's the dream, by the way. Uh, what your dad's I mean, living right now. I know. Just like being they go able to, to call his kids, have the grandkids, yes. pour into them. Like, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how old your dad? Uh, 61, yeah, 62. But to 61. be in the position that he's in at 61 to be able to have all these kids, you know what, I'm no greater joy to see my children walk in truth. I'm sure your dad... He probably feels like one of the most, you know, blessed man. Yes, I know he does. And That's it's just right. it's just wild to be like, you know, and it's so, you know, raising 10 kids or my dad raising six kids. You know, mm-hmm. I think about just a little bit of parenting that we've that I've done and that you've done. I think is like, wow, there's so much self-sacrificing, I guess, that needs to be done of like, hey, mm-hmm. there's there's just a lot of like, you know, you're putting your kids and your wife before yourself often. There's like sure. a lot of inconveniences and it's right. like, wow, it's like it's it's an unselfish life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's so much joy and and um in the process, too. In the process, yeah, of course. For, but yeah. it's like, you know, wow, man. Sometimes you're like, oh, I was going to go play basketball for four hours. That would be pretty awesome, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, to look, though, now where he's at. Yeah, I can't picture. Uh, I literally can't picture. It's so full. A better, a better life than just seeing my children walking in truth and knowing them well, being in a friendship with them, and then seeing them raise my grandkids in the nursery and admonition of the Lord. Yeah, it's a blessing. So, yeah, thank you to our dads, first and foremost. I mean, thank you to God, but thank you to our dads. And and also, Adam said this at the beginning. You know, hopefully you can take some insight from this and apply it to your own life. But I know that regardless of what upbringing you've brought in, if you had an amazing Christian father, well, guess what? It's you are now you, and it's you before the Lord. That doesn't guarantee you anything. And if you had a totally secular father, maybe you didn't have a father here on this earth. This fly's trying to get us, man. I know this fly keeps it, going back really and forth. Coming. Sorry, go on. And to the person that doesn't have a father or, or you know, hasn't has had a bad father role model in his life, um, we have the perfect father role model. And that, and that is our heavenly father. 
And that is the most profound thing that my father taught me. And you now have the opportunity to teach that to your kids and to pass that on and to start that legacy afresh. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just, I'm inspired by my father, but more importantly, I'm inspired by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I'm saved by him. And it's he who equips me to do the work of being a father to my children. And I can certainly learn and glean from my father, um, but but ultimately, the strength comes from the father above, and the, and the knowledge and the know-how and the insight ultimately does come from him. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to put a chair on that. That was Okay, so we're about, wrapping it up with perfect. that. Boom, I got the last word. All right. Uh, Okay, well, dude, thanks for doing this. This is awesome. Always a good time. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, And I guess we'll tech talk. I guess we'll tech talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.